Welcome to the Gotham Sports Report Podcast on 89.1 FM WNYU. Here are your hosts, Jack Dweck, Joe Kurtz, and Morris Zarif. Hello and welcome to Gotham Sports Report post-Super Bowl Sunday. And Joe, you know, I know you're a little bit happy, so I'll give you time to brag before we'll start the show. Yeah, I just want to start this off with the fact that I was laughed at. I was mocked on my own show, the show which I created, I thought of. I was laughed. I was called a fool. I was told I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm washed. I'm old. I have no good opinions. But I was right. And I was right. And you know what? I don't even need to brag, honestly, because I expected nothing nothing less out of myself. You know, I expected you guys maybe to be off because you clearly don't see as well as I do. You guys don't have the right opinions. But, you know, I don't need to brag. I was right. I'm a champion. I always was a champion. I'll always be right. Can't wait for next year to prove you guys wrong. And let me just end this all by saying you don't bet against goats. I don't care what you have to say about Patrick Holmes now. Tom Brady is the goat. You don't bet against him. And that's what's up. All I have to say is this. All right. I can't. I can't justify what I said. I can't justify my opinions because they were wrong. But I will tell you that I would do it again if I had to do it. You know, but, but I embarrassed myself. I did. I embarrassed myself. I was wrong They're that I clowns. said it was going to be low scoring. I embarrassed my family. I embarrassed really my community, really the show. And I apologize. I you apologize to the fans, all of our many fans that listen to the show. I apologize um, to anybody who used me uh, for betting advice, which I highly, highly doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just embarrassed. I'm during, embarrassed. The sh- during the Super Bowl itself, my family was texting me and were like, thank you for making us sound so good. You know, we've had a tough year of COVID and all, but you, you really brought us up with that Super Bowl prediction. Everything you said was right. Oh, no, stop it, stop All it, your stop loyal it, listeners it. who heard it, they were, they, they were just thanking me all over Twitter, Instagram. They were just texting me. What you did, you made 2020 turn into 2020 as a good year. It was Joe, a good year. Joe, the only person that was thinking you besides yourself was your mother. Stop with the praises. That's it. Yes, you predicted the Super Bowl. Mozart, stop, stop, stop it. Yeah, we were stop wrong. it. I don't How need wrong were you? You were just wrong, Mozart. I just wa- you I weren't just wrong. wrong. You were I was proud wrong. of it. You were, no. oh, I'm picking the Chiefs. You know, they're going to score 60 points. I didn't say 60. Home. I said 34 to 30. I was wrong. Let me just say something. When I said Tom Brady is the GOAT and we don't bet against GOATs, Mozart himself, Morris Zarif, the one over there, himself laughed at me, called Patrick Mahomes the GOAT, said the guy doesn't lose, lost nine games, blah, 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 laughed at me. And I had to lock it in there on the spot that the Bucs would win. And Mozart, you know what he said? Called me a fool. That's right. Look at him. But you were right. Listen, who's the fool fool now? A, bro- a broken clock is right twice a day. Just remember that. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Wow, it's Mozart's okay. not, not even a clock because I don't think he's ever been right. Yeah, he hasn't been right. You know, <laughs> also, also, I recall Derrick Rose playing well in his debut. And Mars- uh, let's, uh, let's get into that. Let's get right into We'll it. get into that later. We'll get into that later. But first, we want to break down um, the Super Bowl. It looked to be that in the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay's defense dominated 
dominated that Chiefs offensive line. It was Pat. Oh, wait, 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 wait. One second. One second. Let me recall what Mars Arif said about that offensive line. I'll recall what I said about the defense. I said the defense was overrated. I was totally wrong. I said the defense was overrated. It does not matter. They are good players. I don't care that they're backups. They'll pretend. And I said, quote unquote, oh, they're backups for a reason. And Mara's like, no, whatever. Patrick Mahomes, he can scramble around forever. And I had to tell him, no, the Bucks, they have a stout defensive line. And they're going to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes the same way the Giants did in 07. And who was right? Let's get into that, Jack. Go, please. You're really, you're really milking this one, Kurtz. Uh, <laughs> Let's go straight to the Knicks. I don't know if I can keep hearing about this. No, 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 Jack. So, talk about no, we got to talk about this. So, I think we really saw Todd Bowles um, cook up the perfect, the perfect plan to stop the Chiefs to to keep Patrick Mahomes on his toes. Where even when he was in the air flying and making these crazy throws, um, the Bucks still had shut down D um, on the Chiefs receiver, shut down Tyreek Hill, shut down Travis Kelsey, other than his few drops, um, where there was really no options for Patrick Mahomes to go to other than his receivers that kept dropping the ball. You know what stood out to me, by the way? Like, I'm not going to blame Patrick Mahomes at all in this game because, you know, like, he had no time. He ran the most yards out of anyone, but it was a lot because he was scrambling. But all that and that, something that was just funny to me, it just occurred to me, is that, like, look how mediocre Patrick Mahomes, who's a much better quarterback than anyone else in football, played with a bad offensive line. And now look at what we have in New York. And, like, even a great quarterback doesn't play that well. And I just don't get how you could expect so much out of Sam Darnold and – Daniel Jones, who literally have no offensive line. I'm not going to blame the game on the offensive line totally. You guys are forgetting the biggest play of the game, in my opinion, was the shanked punt by the special teams, by the punter. I'm forgetting his name. He shanked a punt that let the Buccaneers start on their own, on the Chiefs' 40 in the second quarter, which really it was a domino effect after that. And obviously it caused them to win the game. Yes, the defensive line destroyed offensive line, yeah. Like, it was easy to tell. I was wrong about that, but it was easy to tell. Wait, wait, what'd you say? What'd you it say? was easy to tell, but I was wrong about it. I, I mean, was. What? What'd you say? Sorry, I just can't hear. Okay, so the special teams, that aspect of the game, the Chiefs lost. And it's a very difficult, especially against a quarterback like Brady, who failed to make mistakes and was really protected, protected the ball. It's very hard to win a game like that. But when your special teams, one of the three, uh, a third of the game, doesn't play well. And they did not play well. They went all sides on a on a field goal attempt that allowed the Bucks to score another point. It just there was all mental mistakes for the Chiefs. I don't think they're done. <laughs> it just no, they're not done. Definitely not. They had the core, and and Mahomes' receivers did not help him out. Kelsey had tons of drops, and so did uh, Tyreek. Didn't have his. They really shut down Tyreek, and his receivers, uh, Pringle Brian Pringle, I believe his name is, didn't help him with having the ball go his face mask at them in the end zone. I got two things to say. I think that... Let me say things because I'm the champion. Okay. So first off, I think what changed this game happened when the Buccaneers got got a goal line stand. The Chiefs got a goal line stand on the Buccaneers. And then they were driving on offense and Travis Kelsey dropped the ball. And that's just exactly, and they couldn't convert on that. Yeah. And that was just like a precursor for the entire game where the teams, like they were heavily contended, but they were catchable plays, really catchable plays that the Chiefs were not capitalizing on. They were dropping. And the second thing I want to say is the only thing that seemed to be working to me was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running. And it just seemed that like the Chiefs coaching staff 
completely not want to rely on it. And what does that say about Eric Bieniemy, who everyone is praising for how good he was and how good of a season he had? What does that say for teams that passed up on him? Because after the Super Bowl, it's looking like his stock dropped so far because of his gameplay call. And I think it goes to the broader media narrative that has shaped for the last two years with, with Bieniemy, where he's interviewed with over 10 teams and everybody makes it a race thing. But he's interviewed. You don't think someone who's interviewed with ten teams, something has to be wrong with them. Either with the playbook or his past history in college. Obviously, um, he's gone through some incidents, um, in the past criminal incidents, which really aren't talked about in the media. But I think you saw a serious problem with the enemy's with the enemy's game plan and how he was outsmarted by Todd Bowles, who didn't really get any chances. Um for head coaching opportunities other with the Lions, where his, where his coaching meeting was, was canceled. Um, but you didn't see Todd Bowles get any recognition before the Super Bowl, where I think if hiring happened after the Super Bowl, you would have seen Todd Bowles be interviewed by every team. But I want to get back to what we were talking about with the offensive and defensive lines. I think Super Bowls are won in the trenches. I think big games are won that. in the trenches. I said it. We both Go said it. We all so said I it last said it. week. One second. We all said it last week. And I think that going back – to what we were talking about, about Sam Darnold and the Giants and the Jets, you see these teams trying to build their offensive lines first. You see the Jets trying to build their offensive line first. And I think that that's going to be what drives the Jets this draft. Are they willing to go quarterback first? Or are they, or, or are they going to want to push to get Penny Sewell at the second pick? Or, or are they going to trade back and give up an offensive lineman or try to take a quarterback? Are they going to trade Sam Darnold? Are they going to try to get him weapons? You see this whole dynamic where is it Sam Darnold or is it not Sam Darnold? And I think that all rests on the offensive line. If the Jets improve their offensive line, does that mean Sam Darnold improves? And I think that's the biggest question going into the draft. I was watching the Super Bowl, and for me as a Giant fan, it just felt terrible to think that I saw the real effects an offensive line had on the team, and I was just thinking, why did we draft Saquon Barkley over Quinton Nelson? What a mistake we made, because clearly the running game has no importance on a Super Bowl-winning team as much as everyone thinks it does, and clearly the offensive line matters 100 times more, and it just bothered me and that I had to think that even though I was crowning myself as a champion and feeling all good about myself, I had to think about how the Giants made a mistake drafting Saquon Barkley, who is a tremendous player. I'm not going to take that away from him, but is not going to help us win like we would have if we had an offensive line. Obviously, the key factor of the game was the offensive line. We'll keep mentioning it till the show's over because and any championship team at the end of the day, it's really built on the offensive and defensive lines like it was in Denver in Super Bowl 50. And the, these key Patriots teams, one of the most underrated factors for these teams were in the offensive line. So we'll keep mentioning it. But off, I'll just say this one last time. Um, Steve Spagnola also did not play a, a good game on the other day on Sunday. He did not call a good game for the defense. Um, Tyron Matthew, what are you doing trash-talking Tom Brady? What are you doing? You're down 20. What are you doing? I don't think he was what? trash talking him first. He was responding to what Tom Brady said. And obviously Tom Brady, apologized. Tom Brady apologized. Obviously something was said between them that Tom Brady regretted at first. And that got um, Matthew Walk upset. away. I don't go at him. You're down 20. You, whatever was said was deserved. Actually, dependent racial. Uh, you, can't just, you can't just say everything is deserved. You're up 20. Why are you trash talking? 
Because you, Brady. So it's like the, Joe right now. Joe won a week ago, and now he's still gloating on us. Brady deserves to stop. I'm a champion. I'm simply. So that's what Brady deserved to. Brady deserved to trash talk. And you trash talked him back, and you argued with Kurtz, did you not? So I think that both <laughs> sides, both sides could have their saying. You can't blame him. Um, he's a Super Bowl champion from no, last no, no, year. No, no, no. Can't a, just blame him the way, the way for arguing at, back after he's arguing back. about pennies right now. But basically, the way Matthew went back at Brady, it didn't look good on his part at all. Like he wasn't civilized at the end of the day. You got to go at it in a civilized way. But yeah, that's just Spagnola did not call a good game. I thought he would do much better, and it was disappointing to watch, in my opinion. Quite disappointing, and. It's Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls. <laughs> so anyways, I wanted to move on. I wanted to move on. We were talking about the offensive line just now, but I wanted to move on to what the Jets are going to do. Todd McShay, um, draft analyst at ESPN, has really been driving the last couple of days, really been driving home that the Jets should pounce on Zach Wilson, that he's only a couple of tiers below um, Trevor Lawrence, and he's a ways above Justin Fields, where we didn't think that a couple of months ago. We thought it would be – Trevor Lawrence and then Justin Fields and then the rest. It's really uh, Zach Wilson has really emerged as that second guy in the draft. And I think the Jets' big decision is whether they're going to go with Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold. I don't think Deshaun Watson's really an option. You guys could comment on that if you want to, but I don't think it's an option. And I don't think the Jets are even thinking in that in that world right now. They're thinking Sam Darnold, could we get something for him? And if not, they're going to go with Zach Wilson. What do you guys think? I, I think Adam Schefter's like said a couple of times that. Deshaun Watson is basically not happening with the Jets. But what's funny to me is that, like, we're quoting Todd McShay as this guy knows all. But, like, a couple years ago, he rated Sam Darnold as the top quarterback in the draft. Like, clearly, like, things don't always work out. So, I like Zach Wilson and all, but I feel like there's other important aspects of the team that the team should focus on. But I think uh-huh. Zach Wilson I, – I totally agree that draft analysts are wrong more than half the time when it comes to first-round quarterbacks. But – when you look at Zach Wilson, he's completely different than what Darnold is. I think people are comparing him to Sam Darnold, and they really shouldn't. He's a guy that didn't throw picks in college. Sam Darnold, he has the same problem now that he did in college. He, he, he plays well. He looks good. He has good form, good footwork. But at the end of the day, he makes stupid decisions when it matters. Right? He threw 20 picks in college, and he's throwing 20 picks in the NFL. That's the same problem. Zach Wilson is a guy who isn't going to impress you with his form. He's not going to impress you. Um, with with his footwork or with his height, with his size, but he's a guy who makes the right decisions. He doesn't throw picks. He throws accurately. He's a guy that makes good decisions, and I think that that's what the Jets need. They need someone who can make good decisions on who to throw to, on reads, and not throw interceptions and not have turnovers. As long as the next quarterback in the New York Jets I – mean, sorry, as long as week one, 2021, the quarterback is not Sam Darnold, I think the Jets win. Darnold will never – I'll keep saying this till whenever – he will never be the quarterback of the New York Jets. He'll never be a successful quarterback of the New York Jets. I don't care who they put around him. It's just a fact. He's not the guy to win in New York, and I could see it just by my eye test. Listen, I, as, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, if he was put in Sam Donald's situation, he would be better than Sam Donald. I'll say that, but he would not be. A, he wouldn't even be a pro bowler. He wouldn't. You wouldn't even be talking. How many about wins it. did Deshaun Watson have? How many wins did Deshaun Watson have on Houston? Four. It's just. And he played amazing. He was an amazing quarterback. It was a bad team. So I think that I, I think you need to have a good team. I, I, I think a little bit your guys are underestimating. The receivers aren't they're, – look, they're no not – Don't get me wrong. They're not the Chiefs receivers, but they're not bottom five. 
but he didn't have injuries. He's a very good receiver. James Crowder. But I don't think you could just think about the receivers. You have to think about the receivers combined with the offensive line, combined with the coach. Offensive line needs work. And then the co- and look, one benefit I'll say is Gase is the worst coach of all time. And yes, he, that should be used in uh, Darnold's uh, benefit. But I just don't see him as being the next guy. In but New then York. that's why I think you're automatically going to see an improvement if you have Darnold coming into next year. I think you'll automatically see an improvement. No, I don't. Think so I don't so. think that's one second. So I don't think that the question is is Darnold's going to get better because I think he'll be better if he has a better offensive line. Um, because they'll trade back out of that second pick so that they'll get him weapons. They'll get him an offensive line. I don't think that's the question. The question is, is do you think he's going to be worth $25 million a year from now? No. Right. If he gets a little bit better from now, he's not going to be worth it. So why wouldn't you get a quarterback who has the potential to be better than Sam Darnold, right? In one or two years from now, who has, who has a lot more potential and has about the same floor that Sam Darnold has right now of being one of the worst quarterbacks in the league and not have to pay the m- amount of money you're going to pay San Darnold. I think that's I think the biggest everybody's thing. Everybody's in agreement here. Everybody's in agreement that Darnold will not be the next guy for New York, and it'll be probably Zach Wilson. That's what everybody's in agreement here. Because, like you said, mentioned, the money is a big aspect. For me, it's just the mentality for him. I don't see it in him. That's for me. And those are the two biggest aspects. I think the Jets are going to be driven by what they get for Darnold. I think that if they – Look out there, and think, the market's not there for think, Donald. I don't think they move him. I think they have a value on him. Get for Donald. What do you think they can get for him? I think a late first. Who do you? Think I don't think that. Better? I don't think that they could get a first. I think, I think it depends on mid second. I don't think anybody would be willing to get a first. I, I, a first. I really who think, and who do you think trading for him? What teams will no, the Colts? The Colts have inquired. Washington. I think the best destination for him is Washington. Football team. Yeah, a team with a good running team, uh, well running. Yeah, Terry McLaurin. You have Gibson. You have an amazing defense there, ready to go with him. You have a team that made You're the playoffs in a division I- that just needs a quarterback. And if he plays decent, if he plays at the same level that he did on the Jets, they'll be running away with that division. I disagree, but that's a different argument for a different day. It's a different I'm running away. He's not running away with anything. Stop it. Look, the difference between Sam Darnold, like you mentioned earlier, and Alex Smith, who's the current quarterback of the football team, Alex Smith protected the ball. At the end of the day, he didn't give up the ball as much as you think. Darnold's going to give away the ball a lot. And just the way yeah, but he- in the end of that, in, in, in the end of Alex Smith's run, it, it didn't even look like he could stand up straight. So okay, I, yeah, and but he still throws. He still protects someone as AU has the potential in that Sam Darnold does, and he does have potential, and you can't deny that, and he's still a 24-year-old quarterback, so he still has the chance to improve. And I think Ron Rivera I would love for Washington has the chance to improve. And and Washington doesn't have a great pick, but I don't think Washington should give up a mid-first-rounder for Sam uh, Darnold. They wouldn't. If it they was would. a second-round pick, I think it would make sense for them. I, I, it just depends where Wentz and if Watson gets traded, goes, and like the whole QB carousel with all those available quarterbacks for Watson. This is going to Indianapolis. For Donald Mar- you know what I would love to see? I would love to see Watson go to the 49ers and work on that because with that coaching, the offensive mind they have, that would be special. And it could really like help set the market for Donald, I guess, if you think about it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's – I think it's. I don't think it's going to be on Watson as much as it is on Wentz, right? Because Wentz is really going to set the market – um, in terms of an unwanted quarterback. Obviously, any team is going to give up all they can to get Deshaun Watson. For, for Carson Wentz, he's really an unwanted guy. He's basically in the same boat as Sam Darnold where injuries and poor play have impacted him, but he costs a lot more than Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to move on, guys. Speaking of injuries, 
um, to a huge blow, huge blow that the Knicks encountered on Friday night. Um, Mitchell Robinson broke his hand. I believe it was on a dunk. Um, and I think it's just, well, his right hand is shooting his right hand. And I think that this is a huge blow to the Knicks. I don't think they have any chance at the playoffs now where they did before. What do you guys think? Um, so here's my take on this. It's a injury that, yeah, devastating. Don't get me wrong. It happened at a very good time. Like if it were to happen at any time, don't get me wrong. Every time's bad. Right now is a time where the Knicks are going into an easier part of their schedule with most of the teams they're playing heading up to the end of the first half of the season, being under 500. Most of their games are at home, I believe. And they have the all-star break also, which is going to give them another break. Yeah, so the injury is devastating. It's happening at a good time. And, yeah, it's the, probably the biggest loss, in my opinion. They needed a guy. He's a guy. He's a rim protector who rebounds the ball. And this year, something – very underrated that he's been doing. He's been staying out of foul trouble, which has been really, as a Nick fan, something a one wonderful to watch because he really stays on the floor. He's a lot of threat for guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Alfred Payton, and Derrick Rose coming down the middle. And he's he's been incredible as as a defensive anchor also for one of the best defenses in the league. Right, and I think that the Knicks are driven by the defense. The Thibodeau philosophy is is, is having a team driven by defense, and the Knicks have played brilliantly on the defensive end of the floor. So how is that going to impact the Knicks, where they're one of their best defensive players um, is out now? Are the Knicks going to adapt and try to play more offensively? Are they going to try to fill his spot? Because I don't think that Julius Randle could do the same defensively. That Robinson was doing to get before. better offensively, like they're one of the worst shooting teams. I think it's just going to have to rely a lot more on Nerlens Noel, which isn't going to work out well. But it really sucks because the Knicks were gelling together as a team that had a great performance against the Heat in the game that they easily could have won. You know, a lot of people blaming the refs and stuff, whatever. Close game, and you were happy for that as a Knicks fan. You bring in Derrick Rose into town. You're starting to build up hype. He has a good first game. It just, I don't know, to me, it's more of an inopportune time because you're playing an easy schedule. Wouldn't you want to beat up on those games and get sure wins with Mitchell Robinson? Then if you're playing against harder teams, you're going to lose regardless probably. Just it's t- it's really a tough blow for the Knicks. I don't think they would have because these next few games again for the Knicks, again, like I mentioned, they're easier. They're playing a t- they're playing the Rockets tonight at home without uh, Oladipo or Christian Wood, and then they just their schedule until the All Star break. I think if they could hold down the break till then, they play the Hawks uh, at home. Then they play at Orlando, who's been quite um, they haven't been a good team, and that and twice it just. The schedule, if they can hold down the fort till the all-star break, I think they'll be fine to make a run for the play-in games. And like you said, like we keep mentioning, their defense has been impeccable. So, yeah, they did lose their best defender, but I don't think it's telling how much. Because Noel is also a good defender. He's a very underrated defender, and Taj Gibson also brings in different Knicks. Yeah, the injury is devastating, but I don't think it's as devastating as you guys think. It it's not as devastating as everybody thinks. I think the Rose trade helps them out um, with this because now it does. Really, oh, wait, the, yes, all, now it does. the offense went through the big men, right? The Knicks were really running through their big men because they didn't have that much talent um, with with their smaller guys. So now that they have someone who can really run an offense, even if, if he's not putting up the same points that he used to, if he puts up 15 points a game, Derek Rose is someone that you could run an offense through. He's someone that you could have uh, late in the game that could shoot that last shot instead of Julius Randle. And I think that the, the Knicks getting him 
really they didn't anticipate this happening, but I think it's it's a blessing that they had Derrick Rose right before that they traded for Derrick Rose right before this happened. I got a question. You know the whole Bradley Beal rumors. Was there actual any smoke to that? And if so, was Mitch Rob going to be a part of that? Probably was because he's one of the few assets that they have. He probably was going to be a part of that trade. I don't think there was any smoke to it though because. Why well, would like Bradley Beal? I'm sure would have a little bit of input of where he would like to go because he's a star and Washington wants to treat treat him white, right? Yeah. But I don't think why the hell would you want to come to the Knicks? And, and what why would the Knicks want him? I'm sorry, but why would the Knicks want him? I, I know agree people like I agree with Jack 1000%. why would the Knicks want him? Bradley Beal is on one of the worst teams in the NBA, and he's a star. So why? And he's playing with Russell Westbrook. So how? Oh no, 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 Westbrook's not good. Westbrook's I like honestly, he's, he's another he. His injuries better than anyone on the Knicks. Maybe other than you could argue Julius Randle, but he's better than anyone else on the Knicks. So you can't say that if Bradley Beal comes to the Knicks, he'd make them instantly a contender. He he would not be to the Knicks what KD and Kyrie were to the Nets. You can't say that. So I don't think that no, there's any value no for bringing Bradley Beal here where the Knicks rebuild isn't really ready. And I think that the Knicks starting this offseason with the new management really wanted to build from the ground up. And I agree. Bradley Beal, I agree. trading for Bradley Beal would have been a shortcut. And I don't think it would have been the right shortcut for them to get success. Especially if you gave up RJ, who's actually looking to become much, is looking as a much better player than he was last year. Like, I think, I think it'd be a terrible move. You, you have to always be wary of these like all star caliber, caliber players on terrible teams because a lot of it's because they're shooting 40 shots per game. Bradley Beal is a, a terrific player, but he has no history of winning. And how is he, if he, basically just switches teams, gets rid of all the Knicks assets, and just goes to New York. How is he winning any differently than he would have won in Washington? How? Right, and I think that the Knicks did uh, – R.J. Barrett, to me, is a guy that you just need to teach him to shoot better, and he, he just needs more practice and more time, and you see him improving. He's someone that could lead your franchise. He's someone that I, you don't give him up. You don't give up your first-round pick within two years of drafting him. I don't care who you want to get. If you're a team that's in this stage, really in the beginning of a rebuild, you don't give up young talent this easy. And you don't just do it for someone who either isn't going to be happy, who's shown in the past that he'll play when he wants to and not when he doesn't. Um, I don't think it's the right move. I don't think that there's any, any chance that this would happen or was even really talked about. I don't believe that it was something other than just the media driving up rumors. Yeah, there was no, yeah, there was no smoke to it in my opinion. And that's, yeah. Well, I think also, um, I wanted to end off the show a little bit. I'm sorry, Jack, I'm cutting you off a little bit. I wanted to talk about a small signing in the, for the Yankees. They just today signed Jay Bruce. I love the signing for a couple of reasons. They signed him to a minor league deal, whatever. But I love the signing because, one, they've always had smoke to him in the, in the past three years. He was in free agency. He wanted to come to the Yankees. The short – if, when, and when, because we know the Yankees are going to get injured in that outfield, and we all know that. Short porch is such a perfect fit for him. That lefty swing into the right field bleachers is gorgeous. So that's one fit. And another, he can still play the field. He's still a decent player at the end of the day. And he's a veteran who's been on, not playoff teams, but he's been on teams. So he's a guy who I see can envision making, having good impact for the Yankees. It still strikes me as a bargain brand move. You know, this is, this is a raise 
signing an old player who they think could could bounce back, or if they, they if there's injuries, they they have someone to fill a role. I yeah. don't think that the Yankees. I really thought in the beginning of the year that the Yankees um, would want Brett Gardner back, but it, it seems that they haven't even spoken to Brett Gardner. Yeah, but he hasn't spoken. Um, to we're, we're less than a week away from pitchers and catchers coming. I don't think Brett Gardner's back. I I really hope I never see Jay Bruce in New York. I hope our team stays healthy and we never have the need for him. I don't care about the veteran presence. We don't need that veteran presence. I don't care about the short ports. We have so many hitters. I don't need to add to our team of question marks with these old guys. We already have Corey Kluber and Jameson Tyone to make me worried for the year. So stop it with Jay Bruce. Let him stay in the minors. Let him chill till we cut him at midseason to go sound on our team. Giancarlo and Aaron Judge are staying healthy this year. We have Clint Frazier out there. <laughs> we have Brett Gardner back. And that's what's happening, okay? I, I want to be optimistic. Yeah, be optimist. My optimist. Well, there was also a bigger. There was also a bigger move that happened this week. There was also a bigger move that happened this week, and I, I think that we can't forget this when we're talking about the ever important Jay Bruce. Um, and that is the Andrew Benintendi trade um, from the Red Sox to the Royals, where the Mets got involved and traded for the Royals' ninth-ranked prospect Khalil Lee. And I think that this is a savvy move by the new acting GM, Zach Scott. Um, we see his, this is really his first move on the job post Jared Porter. Um, this is really what Sandy Alderson said when he first, in his introductory press conference, is that the, the Mets needed to build that depth in the minors, that depth that could come up in 2021 if need be, but really build up the system, build up the AAA system where the Mets could have a pipeline of people coming in because Brody Van Wagen. Brody Van Wagner literally traded anybody he could. Anybody he could find, he tried to throw in a deal. So to build up the farm system with smart trades like this, this is really getting a ninth-ranked prospect for Steven Matz. That's how you have to think about this. We got a ninth-ranked prospect for Steven Matz because the prospect we got from uh, the Steven Matz trade was flipped again today, uh, this week. We got a prospect for Steven Matz, and I think that's amazing. We never would have thought um, the Mets could do that originally. We thought that the Mets should just cut bait with Steven Matz um, when they signed into a $5 million contract. But anyways, we'll see you guys next week. Um, thanks for listening to Gotham Sports Report. Next Sunday, 4.30. Um, please tune in.